0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. We're in the New Testament. Hooray! How's that? We're in the New Testament. And, you know, in our, in our God's story journey so far, we've, we've, we've seen it all, haven't we? We've seen the beauty of God's original creation, his intent for mankind, for relationship, for intimacy with us. And then we've seen the tragedy, the true tragedy and danger of sin. We've seen, as a result of the fall, we've seen the continual, I guess, brokenness of mankind. And through it all, we've seen the relentless love of God and also It's been highlighted again and again and again just how much we desperately need God's intervention in this world. And as we've spent time kind of tracking through the Old Testament, we've seen this over and over and over again. No matter how hard Israel tried, they just couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it. No matter how many chances God gave them, they couldn't keep the commandments they couldn't keep the law they couldn't maintain relationship and intimacy with god they couldn't experience the peace and the freedom and the joy that god actually longed for them to experience through an ongoing relationship with him sin had its hold on god's people and redemption this this idea that one day god's going to make it all right again This promise that God had made long, long ago, it seemed almost like an impossible pipe dream. That was until God made a way and did what he said he'd do. You know, as we transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we move from a very, very long period of tension and waiting for God to fulfill his promises, to send something to shift something to make redemption possible, to a period of hope, to a period of joy, as God brings about his promises for his people in incredible ways, sending to earth the long-awaited Messiah, the promised one, his own son, Jesus Christ. And today, to sort of launch into our time in the New Testament, We're going to actually remind ourselves about the significance of this shift in God's story by reflecting on a passage in Romans, chapter 5, 12 to 21, which, in my opinion, is arguably one of the most important passages for us to grasp. And when I say grasp, I mean, yeah, sure, intellectually, but also here in our hearts, in all of Scripture. It's a passage that reflects and contrasts the first and the last Adam. So why is this so important? And I know who the first Adam is, but who's the last? We'll get to that. Let's find out as we open God's word together today and just invite Holy Spirit to really speak to us and bring the wonder of the gospel home for each of us to our hearts today. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we, we just want to open ourselves to hear what you want to say to us today. We are overjoyed, God, as we reflect on the wonder of all that you have done, your great plan all through the ages to redeem your people, to, to love your people, to continue to treat your people with unmerited favour and grace that, that we just simply don't deserve. And we've seen that, God, through all our Old Testament journeys so far, and we're going to continue to see that as we move into the new. So Lord, we pray that you would even open our eyes to the significance of what we're going to explore today in your word so that, Lord, we would ensure in our own lives as we allow you to do the work in us, God, and keep us on track through your spirit that we would be siding with the right Adam in our own lives on an ongoing basis. So God, we thank you and we pray, Lord, that you would speak powerfully to each of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's jump right back before we jump forward. Let's head back to almost the beginning of our God's story journey when God created mankind. Here's what we read in Genesis chapter 1, 26-27. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I like that, creeping thing that creeps. Creepy. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So the the Hebrew word for man, adam, which interestingly also sounds like the word earth, like ground, It it sounds similar to the word ground, which is where he came from, wasn't it? So that's interesting as well. It's the the catch-all term for mankind, Adam. And that's where we get the name of the very first man in existence, Adam. Now, as we might remember, things go well between man and God for a time. Adam and Eve, they flourish in the Garden of Eden. Just as this beautiful garden continues to grow and develop and is so beautiful and perfect, they enjoy freedom and intimacy in relationship with God. And everything's going well until things take a horrible turn. Adam, in just a moment, he chooses to disobey God and sin enters the, up until that very moment, the perfect and blameless human race, yeah? Holy, perfect, blameless human race. Adam eats from the only tree in the entire garden that God said not to eat from and everything changes for humanity in a millisecond. Sin enters the hearts of God's people. Separation comes between God and mankind An intimate relationship, the kind they were enjoying, was no longer possible between a perfect and holy and righteous God and now sinful fallen human beings. Because that's it, you know. uh, As the Bible projects say, uh, a holy and perfect righteous God is actually dangerous to sinners. And so therefore separation existed actually for our protection as well, in a way. The Apostle Paul in Romans 5:12, explains the drastic consequences of Adam's sin. He says, "Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned." You know, this is really important that we get this. Some people kind of balk at the idea of. Original sin and say, "Well, well, how can a one-time act by one man affect every single other human being to come from that one man?" Well, Paul makes it clear that this is exactly what's happened. We don't necessarily need to go, "Well, is that fair?" or anything like that. Paul's just saying, "That's what happened. That's what's occurred. Death which is separation from God but in a in a spiritual sense but also physical death at that point that's when physical death entered God's word the world and you know the reality that these bodies aren't going to live forever one day we will die and we'll move on that entered the world and it continues to affect the whole of mankind through one man Adam's act of disobedience his choice to disobey God and go his own way, his choice to sing. And this is really important theological truth, I guess, for us to grasp. And as we'll see, this is actually a really important truth to understand for our own appreciation of the good news of the gospel, but also for our ability to effectively share with others why the gospel is actually good news. Yeah? You with me? So that's, that's the first Adam all the way back then, way back when. But who's this mysterious-sounding last Adam, and why is he so important? Well, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15, 45 to 47, leave us with, with no doubt as to who the last Adam is, and, and Romans 5 does too. We'll get there in a little bit. But here's what Paul says. He says, Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. So the first man became a living being, created by God in his image. The last Adam became a life giving spirit. The spiritual didn't come first, the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, from the dust, i.e. created. The second man is from heaven, in other words, eternal. So who's the last Adam or the second man? Jesus Christ, God in human form. This is exactly who Paul's referring to in 1 Corinthians. And it's also the one man that he writes of in our passage today from Romans 5. Jesus is the last Adam. So let's, let's just work our way through Romans 5 to discover why this is all so important to our understanding of, and sharing of the gospel. You might have noticed before when we read that Romans 5.12 that the, the scripture started with the word therefore and um, I'm, for some of us, we know that whenever you see a therefore, it's important that you go back to, to see what the therefore is in relation to. Now, summing up any of Paul's thoughts succinctly is not an easy task to do, let alone four whole chapters of Romans, because this is the therefore he's talking about. But I gave it a go, and I gave myself a challenge. I have to do it in 20 words or less, and I managed to do it. So here's what I came up with. Romans chapter 1-3. to three explores man's condemnation before a holy god and Romans 3 to 5 explore justification through Christ there you go and all of this all of this all this stuff here if you read Romans 1 to through 5 this week you'll see this is the therefore that Paul's referring to before he shares this extended section on two Adams and contrasting the two Paul's making a link here for his readers to, hey guys, keep this in mind as I continue on with my thought here. So let's, yeah, keep that in mind even as we read this in full. Romans five twelve to 21. Now, it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What an incredible passage of Scripture. <laughs> like That is, has to be one of my favourite passages in all of Scripture. What, what life-changing, profound gospel truths Paul is sharing with us here. Through the one Adam came came sin, came death for all. And through the last Adam, Jesus Christ, came grace and righteousness and life now and for all eternity. How good is that? Where the one man's Adam's sin brought condemnation for all people, the one man Jesus' obedience, obedience to the point of death on the cross, brought justification. Jesus made people completely righteous before God through his death on the cross where death reigned in Adam grace and life reign through the one man Jesus Christ one act of disobedience from Adam made many sinners one act of obedience from Jesus made many righteous that is the good news of the gospel right there isn't it like that is the wonder of the gospel the work that Jesus has achieved. I love what Shane Morris, he's a writer at patheos.com, he says in reflecting on this from Romans 5, he says, Jesus is the last Adam. The Apostle Paul repeatedly sets up the parallels between the two as covenantal heads of the human race. Adam failed to obey God and he brought death on all of his children, on us, in his role as representative or high priest. He transmitted this consequence through natural descent. Jesus obeyed God and by suffering the consequences of Adam's sin on behalf of his people and defeating death brought them life. Paul explicitly teaches as much. I mean friends, how incredibly good and gracious is our mighty God. How good is our God in sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to redeem and restore and make the way for fallen, broken, sinful people who so often we all do it. We want to go our own way and we think we can handle things in life and we we choose to live as though God doesn't exist, as though we are God. And yet he has still made a way for us to find forgiveness and redemption and true life through his son, Jesus Christ. What an incredible God we have. I need some water. So let's, let's just take a moment to, to reflect on a few parallels between the two atoms, things that highlight how, and, and this is important that we get this, this is crucial to, you know, often the objection is, well, I'm not a sinner. Well, well you know, I'm not in that boat. I'm a good person. I've led a good life. God will surely welcome me. Well, we need to understand the effects of Adam's sin on all of us and that, that we're all in the same boat and we actually do, whether we recognize it or not, we need saving, we need a savior. And that's why Jesus is the answer to life and every, every, everything, anyway. So yeah, this, and this is important. So Jesus on the one hand was obedient and sinless completely unlike the first Adam who was disobedient and sinful. And these insights are courtesy of a guy called Adam Grigg. So humanity's head. Adam was the head of the human race. Jesus Christ is the head of redeemed humanity. And since he died once for all time, there will never be another need for any further Adam. That's why Paul calls Jesus the last Adam. Praise God. Both were givers of life. Adam was a giver of life to all his descendants. Jesus brings life and light to all men and gives eternal life to anyone who places their faith in him, John 14, 6. Two rulers. Adam ruled. God gave him dominion, as we read earlier. The great responsibility and the privilege to care for and nurture God's beautiful created world. And when Jesus was raised from death to life, he was elevated all the way to the very right hand of his father. And what does scripture say? God gave him dominion over all things. Ephesians 1, 20 to 22. Adam was Lord over a limited domain. The last Adam is Lord of all, over everything, unseen and seen. And what about a momentous testing? Adam faced a test of obedience when God told him he could eat of any tree, any beautiful thing in the whole of the garden except that one tree, the knowledge of good and evil, and he failed the test. And at the beginning of Jesus, the last Adam's ministry, he was tempted by Holy Spirit, taken by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or tested by Satan. And unlike Adam, who failed that test of obedience, Jesus passed the test perfectly with flying colours, without compromising or wavering even once. You see, see all this, how Jesus is the last Adam. He's, he is, yeah, a great failure and a great victory. The first Adam failed the test, and in doing so, he dragged all of us, all of humanity, in with him into defeat. And in Adam, we all stood, or if we don't know Jesus yet, we all stand condemned. We were, or we are, spiritually bankrupt, enslaved to sin, and expelled from paradise. That's what Romans um, 5.12 is getting at. Whereas the last Adam, Jesus Christ, he was victorious over sin, the flesh, and the devil. And as a result, in Christ, all believers stand justified and redeemed we're spiritually wealthy, we're liberated from sin, and we're included in the very paradise of God. Friends, we could, we could go on and on. Literally, you could spend all day looking at the parallels between the first and the last Adam. But do you see the significance of what, why Paul takes such a, such a long passage to really flesh this out? Paul's saying, you know, Adam introduced the curse, And Jesus died to destroy the curse. Sin and death are no more because of Jesus. He's won the victory. The work is completely done. Redemption is ours to enjoy all because of Jesus. Praise God. Friends, God sent the second Adam, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to make the way available. For all mankind to find and enjoy life in all its fullness. To be able to actually flourish like he was planning for mankind in the garden all those years ago, to actually flourish in intimate relationship face-to-face with him. To be able to stand, as we read before, justified and redeemed, spiritually wealthy, liberated from sin, included in the paradise of God. And, and I, I mean, I'll add this one warmly welcomed into God's own family as his adopted daughters and sons. That's the kind of inheritance that is anyone's who would come to Jesus. Now, it's really important that we get this in all of this as well, especially as we live in a time and we're, and we're all influenced by it, even when we don't realize we're being influenced by it we're being influenced by the society that we're in because we're in a kind of postmodern world that thinks that christianity doesn't really have a place and it's a world that pr- prizes individualism and freedom they're they're like the the ultimate pursuits to be yourself and to be free they're they're kind of what is prized in our society and you, you know, some people kind of read Paul's words here and suggest that Paul's almost promoting some kind of universalistic view of salvation, like universalism. The idea that Jesus' death has won salvation for all people, no matter what. The idea that, well, God loves all, Jesus died for all, and therefore all people will be saved, one way or another, in the end. And I know from, from prepping for this message and just from having chats with different people that this argument has been made from these very verses here. And it continues to be made. But I want to encourage us to, to, to just be able to dig into Scripture to see a very important little clarification in this passage. A very careful reading of verse 17 in particular, along with, of course, the whole counsel of Scripture, makes it clear that this is not actually what Paul is saying. Paul's not promoting universalism here at all. What Paul's actually saying is that Jesus' remarkable entry to earth, his perfect, sinless, sacrificial life of love and service, his atoning death on the cross, burial in the tomb, and triumphant resurrection from the dead has opened the possibility of freedom and life for all, but not all people will take him up on his offer. That's what Paul's saying. Why? Why won't people take him up on his offer of freedom and hope and life? Two words highlighted in verse 17. For if by one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Friends, this is a profoundly tragic reality. Not everyone that we know and love will choose to receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness that is on offer through Jesus Christ. Not everyone will. Why? Well, because not everyone will choose to receive Jesus as Lord. Not everyone will choose to receive Jesus as Lord. And, you know, if you've, if you've read through the New Testament many times before, you'll see this is continually a theme all through Jesus' ministry. It's continually a theme throughout all of the rest of Scripture that, you know, Jesus doesn't just want to be believed in. Even the demons believe and shudder. They know who he is. Jesus wants us to have him in his rightful place as Lord over all. And now we'll touch on this in more detail in the weeks ahead as we continue our God's story journey. But Jesus consistently teaches over and over again that following him is not an easy thing. Following Jesus is not easy. Following him is not a walk in the park. Jesus says time and time again in different ways that following him will be tough and will be costly. In Matthew 7, 14, for example, Jesus describes the gate as being narrow and the way to life as what? Hard. And teaches that those who come to to embrace and find it will be few. There's no question in my mind that the gate is narrow and the way is hard and those who find it are few because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is who is. We are to receive and submit our lives to if we're to find and enjoy life now and forevermore. Jesus said it plainly to his disciples in John 14:6 I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus, Paul, Paul makes it clear: there's no all roads lead to Rome. Jesus makes it clear. There's no all roads lead to Rome universalism, according to Jesus. He hasn't left that open. Jesus says there's only one way to life and peace and joy, and that one way is only found through him. Friends, God sent the promised Messiah. Jesus came to earth. He lived The perfect, sinless life as a perfect man. That's that's why he's the last Adam, mankind, man. While remaining fully God, and because he died, was buried, and rose again, he defeated the power of sin and death once and for all, because he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Why was he the perfect sacrifice for our sins? Because he was perfect and blameless. He was a perfect and blameless man in every way. Unlike the first man, the Adam who was plagued by sin, and every single one of us who are descendants of that man, Jesus was without sin and never compromised in following God, not even once. And that is why Jesus is the last Adam. And You know, all of us, we've we've got a choice to make in this life, don't we? We've all got a choice to make in this life. And it's a choice that we'll need to continually make, continually decide and resolve to do as we live out this life. Do we, like many contemporaries of Jesus, as we'll see during his earthly ministry, do we hear of him? Do we even marvel at, at, at the wonder of his character, at the, the truly otherworldly abilities that he had to, to raise the dead and, and cast out demons and, and make water into wine? He'd be fun at a dinner party, wouldn't he? Like, do we, do we kind of marvel at this and then being there still choose to go our own way? And in doing so, what we're actually doing, like, Basically, what we're doing is if we choose to go our own way, we're choosing to side with the first Adam. It's what we're doing foundationally. We're choosing to align ourselves, put ourselves in the camp of sin and death. And that's a dangerous path that certainly doesn't lead to life and joy. Or, Or do we humbly turn to Jesus? Do we turn to him? Do we seek out and work on, with the Holy Spirit's help, developing more intimate and close and beautiful, meaningful relationship with him and receive God's free gift of grace, redemption, that is ours for the taking, the gift that he actually longs for every single woman, man and child to enjoy now and forever as we place our faith in him and choose to side with and walk with and serve and love Jesus, the last Adam, from this day forward for all our days until it's our time to go home, too. That, friends, is the choice that's before every single person on this planet. Now, if you're here today or you're with us online and you know you're, you're seeking spiritual truth, and you've been searching for some time, can I encourage you, make today the day that you choose to follow Jesus Christ. He is ready. He is waiting. I don't know what your perspective of him is. Some people think God's waiting like this, but God's actually waiting like this. He has arms open wide, ready to receive anyone who would be humble enough to come and approach him. And you can experience his forgiveness you can find freedom from the consequences of the first adam you can find freedom from sin and discover what fullness of life actually looks like we all want to live a good life don't we we all want to have joy and experience more in this world well can i tell you fullness of life comes through relationship with jesus so if that's you if you're seeking spiritual truth today humble yourself and come to Jesus Christ today. And if you're here with us today and you know, you'd call yourself a Christian and you've received already, you've already received God's remarkable gift of grace. But for whatever reason, maybe you realise that you haven't continued on that journey with the same sort of love and passion for Jesus that you once had. Or maybe as you've kind of reflected on your own life, you've realised that you've been siding more with Adam by going your own way than with the last Adam, Jesus Christ of late. Well, the same encouragement goes to you. If that's you this morning, be encouraged. Today is a day where we can humble ourselves and come to Jesus afresh. No matter where you're at, no matter your experience, this is God's desire for you. It's God's desire for every single one of us that we would no longer choose To align ourselves and side with Adam, but that we would choose to align ourselves and side with Jesus from this moment forward. He's made a way. This is how good God is. This is what Paul's getting at in this Romans passage. Like, he's done the work, friends. He's done it all. There's no more work required other than our humility to come and approach him and receive the free gift. So, Will you accept this great gift either for the first time or afresh today? The choice is yours. The choice is mine. The choice is all of ours. Will you humbly approach and trust in Jesus? How about we just take a moment to pray together and just invite Holy Spirit to come and, come and move and minister to our hearts as we close our time in his word today. Thank you, Jesus.